Welcome to another episode of Politically Entertaining. I'm Frank. He's Byron. We're here with another amazing week of news and stories. But Byron, before we get into all the news and everything we're going to talk about, let the listeners know, especially the first-time listeners, what they should be looking for in this show this week and every week. What's going on? Uh, basically, on Politically Entertaining, we bring you, you know, news and topics that are discussed in mainstream media, as well as topics that are not discussed as much. We just try to decipher what's important to you. We're here for you that don't follow the news every day. We try to come to you once a week and bring you things that we think are important. We usually start the show off with something light, and today is no different. Frank, you know the NBA playoffs are going on. Uh, game two of the Raptors-Cavs series, which that series is over now. But during game two, LeBron, during like, uh, I guess a timeout or out-of-bounds play, he ran on the sideline. He grabbed somebody's beer and pretended like he was going to drink it. Well, someone had a, uh, you know, a snapshot of that. And that beer company decided to use his image to sell their beers with the caption. It said goat with gold. And the name of the company is Dort. I think Dortmonder or something like that. And I guess that particular brand of beer was uh, gold. Well, LeBron has an issue with this, and his people have said that they are going to do something about this because they don't have permission to use LeBron's likeness for their product. Also, LeBron said, you know, it's funny. This is the same company that made the quitness, quitness beer back when he left Cleveland for Miami, mocking him. So, you know, I, I know some people can say, well, you know, LeBron is almost a billionaire by now. He could let this go, let this small beer company have that why is he fighting this battle he's being petty uh i kind of disagree with that because I, I like the fact that you know he doesn't he doesn't forget he remembers everything and he remembers this company mocking him and he's like no you're not going to use me take it down so uh where do you stand you think he's being a little bit too petty or is this just a part of business and if you're going to use his likeness you got to pay the man you know, it's funny you tell me that story, but there's a similar story with Michael Jordan. Year, uh, it, w it wasn't that long ago where he actually won I, I a huge lawsuit against a company that used his likeness for a $2 steak coupon in a magazine. And here's the crazy thing about it. Like, it was they used his likeness without without his permission, and they printed a whole bunch of these, but nobody used the coupons because it was in a magazine, and people didn't really want to cut out the magazine for the coupon so they really never got anything out of it, but they just got sued and lost this huge lawsuit for using this likeness without permission. So I, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, for anybody who thinks that LeBron is petty, LeBron is petty on certain things. Now, that's not this isn't about him. But as far as business, LeBron is all business. He's a he's one of the best businessmen. I mean, you're talking about the GOAT. As far as he's already the goat, as far as business businessmen, I mean, it's him and Magic Johnson. You know, I, I don't I don't know who has more, but I'm saying like as far as their acumen, I would say those two guys are definitely there. So it's it's anytime you're a celebrity or any type of high profile person, people are always trying to use that uh, to get cheap advertising if they can, and you have to take it. You have to um, know people are going to take advantage of that, and you have people who are looking out for you, and certainly. Uh, you know, protecting your likeness. So to me, this is just smart business. There's nothing negative about it. There's nothing other than, you know, how would you feel? I mean, we, we talked about this and I don't want to get too far off topic, but one of the things I didn't disagree with about Dr. King and his children was, you know, mm -hmm. to a certain extent. Now, it's, it's too bad they are so petty they can't get along with each other. But certainly for losing their father, and all that he probably maybe lost out on some of their childhoods for what he gave to everybody else, the least they could do is get some financial compensation for everything that everybody's trying, especially if everybody tries to use him to whitewash history, which is another story altogether and completely. But so anytime people try to profit from something that somebody else either made or somebody else has created as a brand, I have no problem with it. Congrats to LeBron. Hopefully we'll get Cavs Warriors three and that'll be another uh, opening topic we'll be able to talk about. He may be back in Cleveland, but he has not forgotten everyone who took a shot at him. I just thought this was so funny, man. DJ Tight Mike, drop that beat, man.
You are listening to Politically Entertaining, your Cliff's Notes to American Politics. And now your host, Frank and Byron. We start this show off without talking about former director Comey, Frank. Uh, I'm going to let you pick where we start. This guy got fired last week. Trump fired him. And it's so many stories out of this one action. First, you can look at it's not just that he was fired, but you can look at when he was fired. Like, was it like a day or two after his uh, testimony to Congress, uh, the House, uh, the House of Representatives and the Senate? Uh, is it the fact that this is like, I want to say, the third person that Trump has fired when you count Sally Yates, when you count, I believe it was a district attorney from uh, New York, all who were somewhat involved in investigating this ties to Russia. Uh, then you look at his tweet that he sent out not long after firing Comey, where he pretty much, I want to call it a subtle threat, but it wasn't subtle. I mean, he said he better hope that there are no recorded tapes of our conversations, something that President Nixon, the last president that we removed from office, got in trouble for, among other things. And and, and the, speaking of Nixon, the, the, the fact that he would even have tapes where he's recording his conversations in the Oval Office and and the whole loyalty pledge that we're learning about where it's reported that when he met with Comey for dinner, he pretty much asked him to pledge his loyalty, not to the United States, not to the rule of law, but to Mr. 45 himself, President Donald Trump. Where in the world do you want to start with this story, brother? Man, that's I mean, there's all kind of places to start, but let's just start at the obvious place, which is it's funny that. James Comey, and, and this is not at all to, to go back to the election as far as a result, but it's just his actions. I want to focus just on that. He, you know, apparently had an idea that there was some of the issues going on with Russia. And obviously we knew about Hillary Clinton's emails, but the week before the election, he decided to say that they had found some new information about Hillary's emails. And that ended up, you know, potentially swinging the election. But we're not here to talk about that. So that's funny. But now, you know. He, there was there was information about Russia during that same time as well, but he didn't say anything, or he he was still investigating that, or whatever it was. It wasn't pertinent, I guess, to bring up. So now he's on he's hot he's getting hotter on the trail, so to speak, and now he's actually getting fired. So to me, that's the most interesting thing, which is did what what exactly did he say, or did he know that's different? That was you know say four months ago, five months ago, because my thing is. This had to have been known because I think for people that don't understand how investigations work, it's not like a law and order episode where they, they go to a guy's house and find a tape and then they like prosecute the case. These things are building months and months and maybe years in advance. So they have all this information. So the fact that they thought it wasn't pertinent to the election and didn't say anything and now they're testifying with real information that could potentially compromise the president and they're getting fired. Well, to me, it just shows how it sh- it shows to me there's something wrong with J- James Comey as far as not the information he had or he had, but when he chose to disclose it. And to me, that's why I think that there he is such. It, uh, people were criticizing his firing. I'm actually happy he got fired. He should have been fired for what he did to Hillary Clinton. Is what I'm saying. But now he's getting fired Thank for you. what for the information he didn't give out. That's the great irony here. So I would just start there with the fact that what he already did was fireable, and now he got fired for what he should have done. That's where I would start as well. You know what? You finally you know owned up to really what was happening, which is a potential national security breach, and now you're out of a job. The rest of it is all parlor tricks and circus you know acts and all those other things. And I saw a post on Facebook that said, and I can't go, I'm not going to say anything else after this. They basically said the reason why Barnum and Bailey went out of business is because of the big top in the White House. <laughs> well, I thought I was on that island by myself, man, but you, it sounds like you agree with me. He should have been uh, fired a while ago. And I, I took issue with Democrats, you know, all of a sudden, acting like they never had an issue with this guy when right after the election, they wanted him gone as well. But I get it. I get it. It, it was the timing of it and everything. Uh, I think the irreversible rift between Comey and Trump was when he immediately came out after Trump, you know, accused Obama of wiretapping him. Comey came out and, and pretty much said that's a ridiculous claim and there's there's no 
uh, facts to to back that up. And this has been a, a ongoing issue for Trump since the day he won the election before he got sworn in. So I think the rift began there and just, you know, the testimony and everything in between just culminated and he just decided to get rid of him. Uh, and one last thing, man, you know, he's, he's threatening the former director of the FBI. This president, to me, Frank, is already impeached. I'm just waiting on Congress to catch up. He's already impeached. There are so many things they can go after this guy on. Uh, but I guess it's going to take a Democratic majority to do that. But as as far as I'm concerned, he's already impeached. He's just occupying an office that he should not be in. But that's just my little old opinion. Um, we ask that you subscribe. We are on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio, Podbean, as well as Google Play. We're on podcasts. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram under Politically Entertaining. Frank, uh, we all know that Fox News is a right-leaning network, and, and many consider MSNBC to be the, the balance to Fox News. Well, a gentleman by the name of Andy Lack uh, took over as the, uh, I guess, the, the chief executive for MSNBC a couple of years ago, and he has a, a interesting problem on his hands. He is, I don't know how many of you guys watch MSNBC and you may or may not notice the changes that have been going on, but he wants to get MSNBC away from the left-leaning uh, politics that they, that they do. But his problem is the top shows like Rachel Maddow and Chris, Maddow, Chris Matthews, since Trump has been elected, they have seen their ratings soar. Rachel Maddow, I read, is even beating Sean Hannity in that time slot. She's like the number one news program during that time slot at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So he wants to get rid of, you know, the Rachel Maddow's, but he can't right now. But he has gotten rid of some other people that you may know. He's uh, gone and replaced, uh, well, Melissa Harris-Perry, Torrey, Tamron Hall is no longer there. Al Sharpton and Joy Reid used to have a show every day. They've been marginalized to just weekend shows now, although you can find Joy Reid on the panel of more primetime shows. But what's the bigger issue, in your opinion? Because for me, it's getting rid of the diversity at the network. So he's obviously gotten rid of a lot of black and brown talent, not accusing him of anything. But that's what it's happened to be so far. So do you have do you take bigger issue with the diversity that seems to be no longer uh visible at MSNBC or the political direction, because he's replacing these people with your Greta Van Susteren's, your, uh, I think it's George Will, who's getting his own show. A lot of these former Fox News right-leaning people are now replacing your Tamron Halls, your Melissa Harris Perry's, and your, your Joy Reid. So for Frank, would you be more concerned with the diversity or the political political direction that this network seems to be turning to? Well, I think it goes hand in hand in some regard. I mean, I'm concerned anytime you come in and you're looking at a network that has a certain spin to it. And again, the thing about to understand about partisan politics is is there's ebbs and flows. So even the thing that shows me Andy Lack is really his character that really bothers me at this point, because there are people who say they're right or left, but really, really only follow the money, right? They, they, they say they're one thing, but whatever is good, they, they're going to go for. So right now, the liberal left is angry, right? Everything is a conspiracy. Everything, they're mad about everything. And shows like Rachel Maddow, Chris Matthews, as you mentioned, are, are huge. And, 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 and just anybody against Trump is really, really popular because people hate his positive, hate his agendas. Now, my thing is, we all know the real time, the real story with minorities. We always fight, especially black people fight. We're fighting for everything we get. So Melissa Harris Perry being gone, Tamron Hall being gone, that just hurts because there's a, those are a beautiful black women who are on, you know, are, you know, be able to represent interests and, and, and have a perspective that even, even, even a say so-called a white moderate white liberal doesn't have because it's still a different experience when you're an African American in this country. And, and I think that what you're seeing is there is a whitewashing is a bad thing, whether or not it's done in the name of liberal or conservative or conservatism. And I think that right now MSNBC has an image problem because 
they may, whether or not they go full left, full right, whatever, they're replacing credible black voices with white conservative voices to me is, is, is a huge concern um, just from a standpoint of the integrity of, you know, you have to have diversity so that you can have, it's not just diversity as far as people of different colors. I think some people get caught up in that. They say, oh, we, I, I don't care. I, I look at everybody the same. Or, or, you know, diversity is great. It's only when you have diversity of experience and background that you have diversity in what you actually are projecting out. Because you can have a black person like Ben Carson. He's not diversity to me. Yes, he's African-American only by whatever labels we go by. But he doesn't share the experience. He doesn't share the belief that of, of, the, of the oppression that African-Americans generally agree on. And when you give it to people like Melissa Harris Perry and Tamron Hall, they embody that. You're losing that. MSNBC is not the network it used to be. He's ripping it apart. And, and pretty soon you won't recognize it. And that's why... We've always said this before. We have got to, as African-Americans, as black people, make sure that we that's why we're doing what we do. You know, obviously people say, oh, you're just a podcast. Who are you? And I'm like, you know what? We are two informed people and we are more informed than a lot of other people who are out there spouting out news just because they're, you know, in front of million dollar cameras. So that's what we are. That's what our job is now is, okay. they're whitewashing the networks, but you don't have to listen to the news to get you. You don't have to listen to network news to know what's going on. You can you can very easily go and read and understand. I think we have to start doing that a little bit more. I think when you see that happening, you got to understand that you're responsible for what you see and what you understand, what you believe. You cannot leave it to the news to do that. So let this be a wake up call to know that, hey, turning on your MSNBC or CNN or whatever it is because you think that they're down with your they're not down with you. They're down with whatever is is going to, to get them the greatest ratings. The, the article kind of made him seem contradictory because it's saying that he wanted to get rid of opinion based shows. But then he's replacing them with Greta Van Susteren, who's doing worse in the ratings than who she replaced. She's opinion based. She's not a, a, a true journalist. So, you know, he's kind of, you know, being a hypocrite on that. But it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, I, I just picture him desperately wanting to get rid of Rachel Maddow. But you can't with the ratings that she's pulling in right now. So it's going to be up to the viewers to decide, you know, you know, if that's a program that you don't want to see go. You got to keep watching it and, and force him to, you know, keep that show and other shows like it on that network, because we don't <laughs> what we don't need are two Fox News. One Fox News is enough. And then you, you top that with, you know, talk radio and the Rush Limbaugh's and all of those people. So. All we need is one Fox News and let MSNBC be the balance to that. Um, she's a life coach and overall she's a very inspirational person. Let's talk to Dr. Tiffany Pierce. Listen up. It's time for a politically entertaining exclusive interview. Tiffany Pierce, certified Christian life coach, joins us today. She has an event coming up in Birmingham next Monday. If you're in the Birmingham area, you can check her out. Cupcakes and Conversations at DK's Event Center, June 17. Also, you, she, uh, you can visit her website, tiffany.com. Dr. Tiffany Pierce, thank you for joining us, ma'am. You're welcome. Excited to be here. We are very, very glad to have you. Um, First, I guess the most obvious question, tell us about Also You, why you decided to start it, and what services do you offer at Also You? Okay, so my the name of my business is Also You Coaching, and the reason I decided to name it Also You is because basically I feel that a lot of us are chasing dreams that are really not for us. Um, at one point, I was going into acting, and I just realized that although I really did enjoy acting, what I really enjoyed doing was coaching and inspiring and encouraging people. And once God put it on my heart to go into coaching, I really became enlightened, and it's something that has really been true to my heart. So just naming my business Also You Coaching was because it was all me. Like, I got to bring all of me to my coaching, which is I love to inspire and encourage. I've been doing that all of my life. And so... Being able to bring my gifts and help other women find theirs 
that's that's basically what I was put here to do. So I help women find their also beautiful lives. We, we help them discover their spiritual gifts, their personality type, their passions and their values. And we help put all of that together and help you really create a life that you really love. And that's basically what also you coaching is all about. That sounds pretty dope right there. Now, at, at the top, I mentioned your event in Birmingham, Club Pace and Conversations. Uh, and again, that's on June 17th. I want to point out some false advertising to you, Tiffany. You, I've seen you, and you you look fit, very nice and trim, and you're holding a cupcake. Talking <laughs> about, are you really going to be eating cupcakes, or are you going to be serving cupcakes, letting everybody else get fat, while you stay in shape? And on a more serious on a more serious question, uh, what can people that attend this event, what can they expect at your uh, cupcakes and conversation? Well, first of all, I love cupcakes. Anybody that knows, <laughs> know I love cupcakes. So definitely I eat cupcakes and I have to really stay in the gym to get my midsection in, in shape because I, it shows it goes nowhere but my stomach. Like I would like for it to go everywhere else, but it does not. It just culminates in my stomach. So that's the reason why I try to stay in the gym. But definitely okay. if you are in the Birmingham area, I would love for you to come out. This is a dream come true. I've always seen myself as a speaker since I was a little girl. And it's just really amazing to me the, the doors that God is opening for me. And this event is just something that was put on my heart to do for Anybody who just want to come and get inspired, um, we have vendors from 10 to the, the event is from 10 to 2 and from 10 to 12. We have vendors. And then right after the vendors, um, I'm sorry, I don't know if I said 10, 10 to 12, we have vendors. And then right after that, we have the cupcakes and conversations portion where um, we're going to have basically like a roundtable discussion where I'll have a, di- a bunch of different questions for people to kind of just get to know each other. There'll be questions that are thought provoking to get the conversation started and also, in addition to that, we'll have lunch, we'll have dessert, and also I'll be bringing a word um, right after that. So I'm really, really excited about it. It's something that I have um, put a lot of time and attention into. Um, the women will also walk away with swag bags, which is filled with lots of goodies and um, just a bunch of gifts just for just to show my appreciation and just inspiration um, encouragement, empowerment, and just networking, all of that. So you, if you're in the Birmingham area, please come out and support. Tickets are only $20. Um, and as Byron said, he'll give you the website at the end. But please just come if you're in the Birmingham area. Yeah, that, that sounds awesome, Tiffany. Actually, I'm not going to be in the area, but one of the things I'd like to ask you, I was gonna, I'm going to throw this in as a, in a bonus really question or request is, if you can't make the event, uh, do you have a place where you can – have a donation because I think that it's a really good thing you're doing. So I think some people who don't necessarily live in the area but are certainly connected to you, say from high school or from other network events, may want to throw in a donation. So certainly, if that's an option, you can spell that out a little bit later. But I just I just thought it's so awesome what you're doing. Now, one of the questions I wanted to ask you is going to be a, is pretty serious. Now, there's a lot. I, I looked at your website and I love how you're you know putting God first and you talk about finding your vision and your purpose in God. Now. Obviously, this is a tumultuous time in, in America, and sometimes Christians aren't viewed so favorably. Um, what would you, what, how would you, do, would you just only coach people who profess Christian faith? Would you go, if somebody who was a Muslim came in, a woman with a hijab came in, and she said she was Muslim, but she had gone to your website and she wanted to find her purpose, would you help her? Or is, is there any, I, I guess, is there anybody who don't help as long as, you know, they're willing to follow whatever your, your principles are, whatever you're trying to do? Or, or, is it, or are you trying to say, oh, you know, you have to be a Christian to uh, use my services? No, no, of course not. I, um, I would coach anybody who is coachable. And when I say coachable, um, one of the services that I offer is a clarity call. Like if you decide you want to sign up with me, the first thing I have to do is I have to talk with you um, and get to to know exactly what it is that you really want to do, because um, I can't coach anyone who is not ready to make um, change in their lives. And I can tell right maybe the first, I'll say, three minutes of the conversation if somebody is just um, basically just kind of inquiring or somebody who's really serious about making some changes. Because a lot of times um, people have been in the same situation for years and they haven't done anything to get themselves out of that. I say spinning your wheels, kind of like when you're stuck in the mud, you're not going anywhere. And so when, when you talk to me, I really want to gauge and understand why now? Like, why? What are you willing to do now differently? And why is this important to you now? And if you don't have a strong enough answer, then those are the people who I'll say, well, maybe not right now, because I don't want 
to like part of my services. If, if I'm not helping you make change in your life and I'm not doing my job, I'm not being a coach just to see you sit on the bench. I want to be your coach to see you get in the game and win. If you're not willing to do that, then I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste yours. So if you're, you don't have to be Christian. I can coach anybody who is ready to really seriously uh, stick to the, the plan that we come up with and really want to make changes. So definitely I welcome anyone Muslim, even men. Like I know a lot of my, um, the copy on my website and a lot of things are geared towards women, but I will coach men um, Muslims, anybody who's wanting to make changes, because I mean, this is a passion of mine, and I definitely, you don't have to be Christian, and, and that's one of the things on my website, I, I, I like people to understand that long as you are willing to be open to change, then I can coach you, that's the only stipulation you can be any religion you want to be you can be male, female um, just long as you are willing to put in the work that's, that's, really, that's really powerful because I know a lot of people and that's one of the criticisms you've heard of. I've heard of a lot of people who are Christian. They only want to associate with people who think like them or have the same belief system as them. So that's a very important thing, I think, to, to point out. Along those lines of questioning, I also want to ask you, you know, have you ever coached somebody? You went through the process. You thought it was good. But then when you got to the end of the process, you realized this person wasn't really being true of the process. And, and if, if that was the case, you realized that would you drop them? Would you offer them their money back? Like, how would you deal with people? Because sometimes people can be a, a sheep and wolf closing, you know. You can, they can get past a clarity call, and then you're working with them. And you're like, you know, you're really hustling backwards here. I don't really think you want, I don't think I can help you right now. What would you do in those kind of situations? Well, um, actually, I just had a situation like that recently, and I'm not sure if she wants to continue with the coaching, but I had a call actually last week with one of my clients. And um, a, lo a lot of people don't understand or realize that coaching is not, um, when you come to me, coaching is not giving you answers because I feel like um, part of me coming from a Christian standpoint is that you there's a plan for your life that God put in place way before now. And so it's not my job to tell you what that is. You you kind of know it's my job to ask you questions, thought provoking questions and help you give you homework to come up with your own answers. And so one of my clients was coming to me and she wanted me to give her answers. And that's not what coaching is. One of the things that they stressed in my coaching training was basically you, you don't give answers. You don't give advice. You give you ask questions. You help the client come up with their own answers. And there are times when I'll say I'm going to take off my coaching hat and I'm going to be I'm going to consult and I have to ask permission first because sometimes I do have advice or I do have uh, some clarity around a, a certain topic that I want to offer. But for the most part, it's not about giving you answers. So the client that came to me last week really wanted me to come up with some answers for her, and that's not beneficial because I don't know. Um, you know, all the particulars in your life. And so I, I encourage you to pray, get on your knees and come up with the answers for yourself. And I kind of guide you uh, into your truth, but I don't give you answers. So I really didn't press her continuing with her sessions because she actually just did the one call to see if it's something that she really would be interested in doing. And I haven't heard from her since. And usually I'll reach back out and I'll um, type up an outline and, and tell, you know, give them a synopsis of what we talked about. But I really didn't do that this time and I haven't heard from her. So I, I really don't think I'm going to reach out because I realized that she really did want answers. And I, I would recommend like a therapist or a counselor in that case, because coaching is for people who are um, not really stuck in the past, but want to start from where they are and move to the future. And a lot of her issues were stemming for something that happened in her past. And legally, I, I don't like to get into that type of thing because I, I like to start from where you are and move you to the future. And so to answer your question, um, I have had that situation happen and I most likely won't continue on with this person unless I have another call with them and let them understand that it has to be. It can't be you wanting advice. It has to be you wanting to go through the process and come up with the answers for yourself. And I can just do what I do best, which is coach. But I can't tell you what to do with your life. I can help move you in the right direction. But, you know, it's, it's it takes more than me telling you what to do, if that makes sense. It does. Dr. Tiffany Pierce uh, of Also You. You can visit her website, Also Tiffany Dot com. She specializes in helping Christian women. And as you just heard her say, you can be man as well, any religion, as long as you're coachable. She's here to help you reach your potential, overcome your fear of becoming creative. And again, as we mentioned earlier, she has an event coming up next month, Cupcakes and Conversations in the Birmingham area. 
real quick before I get to the next question, uh, Dr. Pierce, I when I read your website, I just wanted to let you know how just from the website alone and reading it is very inspirational, reading your testimony on, uh, you know, how you had to break out of your shell of going from what you thought was, you know, the safe route to being creative and doing what you want to do. So very inspirational. I encourage you all to uh, check it out. Also, Tiffany.com. Um, now, all three of us are from Mobile and, you know, some problems are more serious than others. So it's one thing to have someone that, you know, it's looking to be creative, but they're scared to, like you mentioned in your testimony. But then there are more serious problems. Lately in our city of Mobile, there's been like a rash of domestic violence. Uh, my question for you is, and even someone on Instagram posted their uh, domestic violence story. Uh, they weren't from Mobile, but it seems like it's been like an uptick in domestic violence lately with men putting their hands on women and even taking their lives. Is that something is that something that's in your wheelhouse? If not, is that something that you consider adding if someone uh, came to you, you know, looking on how to you know, get get out of that type of relationship? Because it's much harder than some people think when we sometimes just say, why doesn't she just leave? It's, it's not as black and white as that. So is that something that you tackle now or would be willing to tackle in the future? Yes. And it's whenever I hear about one of those situations, it really affects me. I'm not just saying like it does. It affects me on a deep level. I know actually one of the girls that I don't know her personally, but one of the girls in Mobile that just happened to um, and it's somebody that my sister's um, kind of familiar with. And I remember calling her and just asking her about it and just being really intrigued just to figure out, because as a coach, I'm naturally just intrigued by what led up to that event. And so it's so funny that you say that because that is definitely something that I would um, love to dive more into because there's a reason why sometimes we pick men that has a habit of being abusive. And so I would just like to ask questions and get more into the head of the women who have been in these types of relationships because um, one of the things that I always used to say back in high school, not high school, but college, was that crazy leaves a clue. Because I dealt with somebody in college who was a stalker, and I didn't know that at the time. But you have little triggers um, along the way that you say, wait a minute, something is not right. Luckily, mm -hmm. I've never been in an abusive relationship myself, but there's always a pattern and there's always clues that are left behind. So that is something that I really would be intrigued to just talk to women who have been through that to get some of their um, insight as to why they think this type of thing occurs and why do women stay so long and why do we think it's so um, taboo to speak out about it and, and speak, look out for help or get help, I should say. Um, so, yes, that is something that I really would love to dive into later and maybe offer as a service. But I do sometimes think um, if, if you've been in an abusive relationship several times, maybe it's a pattern and you just can't seem to find men that are not this way, then I do. I would recommend counseling and therapy. But, but if it's somebody who maybe gotten into a situation, this may, be, may have been the first time, then I would definitely love to coach them to help them figure out how to move forward from that relationship and not allow it to handicap them, handicap them in the future and help them to come up with ways to make sure that this doesn't happen again. Because definitely it's something that really is near to my heart because it's becoming so common now for, you know, you used to can break up with somebody back in the day and you just go on your separate ways. But now you have to really watch your back. You don't know the type of mental problems that people are dealing with. You don't know exactly what people are capable of anymore. It's just like, no, there's no regard for human life anymore. We just, you just never know. So that's something that really would be interesting for me to think about and maybe offer in the future. I certainly think you could be very effective with that. So I, <clears throat> I hope it is something that you're able to take up. I'll get you out of here with this final uh, question. Uh, we've been talking a lot about the services that you provide and how you're able to help, you know, women that come to you. Uh, what would you say in your experience? What's the biggest obstacle for them when it comes to, you know, finding their um, their great self, their creative self? Is it doubt and fear? Is it lack of drive? You know, sometimes we make excuses where we may have this dream, but we say, oh, I'm so tired when I get home from work. I don't have time to work on my dream or whatever it is. Or is it sometimes, it's, you know, lack of funds? People just don't have the money to get to get their dream started. What would you say is the biggest obstacle for uh, most of the people that you have dealt with? Well, 
Hmm, that's a, such a great question. Um, I've dealt with several women, and, and one of the key, um, I guess, common denominators in all of them is fear, like you mentioned. Fear of the unknown, fear of stepping out and doing something new, fear of what if I fail, and also fear of what if I succeed, my life would change, you know, am I I'm capable of keeping up with this new life and living up to the expectations, um, fear of not having enough money to fund your dream and your vision. Um, it, it's, it's so many things that people like. Like I said, fear is one of the main things that stops people is and it's before you even start, you're already defeated in your mind. And one of the things become an entrepreneur. One of the most important things is to have your mindset right. You have to. When you decide that you're going to step out and do something different and do something that is uncomfortable, you have to get your mind ready for all of the attacks that are going to come. And so the main thing is fear. If you can get past that fear, then you can do you can go up. You can go a long way because the fear is what paralyzes us and make us not want to do anything. And so you look up a year later and you realize that you're in the same place because you're afraid to take a step. You're afraid to make that step. And also on top of fear, what I found is that a lot of people don't believe in themselves. A lot of people believe that success is for somebody else or success is for other people and that they're the exception to the rule. So they don't believe in themselves. So they they, they rather stay stuck in, in mediocrity instead of embracing the greatness that is inside of them. So I would say fear and believing in yourself. Those are the two things that people struggle with the most. Well said, ma'am. Uh, Dr. Tiffany Pierce of Also You, you can visit AlsoTiffany.com. Again, if you're in the Birmingham area, June 17, you can uh, visit her event that she has, Cupcakes and Conversations. Please visit Cupcakes and Conversations, Beham.EventB.com. Beham is the letter B, Ham, and uh, Event B is B-E-E. So, again, Cupcakes and Conversations, Beham.EventB.com. Tickets, as she said, are only $20. It starts at 10 last till two so check her out and before you go i'm going to be a little self-involved miss pierce frankie and i and you we all went to the same high school we're from the same city yeah uh, i'm uh you know friends with you on social media so i just want to tell you personally i'm very proud of everything that you've done i'm very happy for you i want you to know that i'm watching you from a distance and you truly do inspire and so just congratulations on everything that you're doing and happy mother's day to you as well Thank you. And I want to say I'm proud of you guys as well. Like, really, kudos to you. You're doing some amazing work with the podcast, and I'm really excited to be a part of it. And I'm excited to see where God takes you because the sky is the limit. So I just want to give you guys a hand clap, too, because I'm very <laughs> proud of you and Frank. Oh, we appreciate that. And again, we thank you for making time for us. No problem. Bye bye. Once again, we want to thank Dr. Tiffany Pierce for joining us. Frank asked her uh, at the beginning, uh, and we were not get, able to get the answer during the interview, that if you can't attend her uh, Cupcakes and Conversations event in Birmingham, was there a way for you to donate? If you're interested in donating, uh, she does have a PayPal for her business. You can go to uh, loveoutloud05 at gmail.com on PayPal. And you can send whatever donation you like. Again, that's loveoutloud05 at gmail.com. And I want to give you that website again if you are in the Birmingham area because it's a long website, cupcakesandconversationsbham.eventb.com. Check that out and, uh, you know, check her out. She is, uh, again, Dr. Tiffany Pierce, also you. Visit alsotiffany.com. I uh, enjoy talking to her. As I mentioned, she's our classmate, Frank. She's doing a lot of great things. And as always, uh, let me get your opinion on the interview and what did you take from it, brother? You know, Byron, I just loved her energy. I always love people who have great passion um, in, in their, you can just hear it in their voice. I think even last week, going back, you hear Sam Bogan. You know, these guys, these people are really passionate. And she's just a, a young lady who I think, man, the sky is the limit for her. I also want to uh, tell our listeners go to our YouTube channel and you know, check out Politically Entertaining. There we have all of our interviews. So if you don't listen to the whole episode of one of our shows, go to just YouTube Politically Entertaining. You can see most of the interviews from the first and the second season and check those out. Um, you know, again, just her positive nature was just was just amazing. Her answers to different things. 
she just has a great business. I think a lot of people who are struggling, if you're struggling, I think you should give her a call. I mean, I was like, man, should I call her? I'm thinking I'm on the phone. I'm thinking, I'm like, should I schedule a clarity call? I, I don't know. I don't know. Can I get a discount? No, I'm just kidding. But no, I mean, I just, just totally impressed. I look for, I actually look forward to having her on again. I just, I just think that she had a very great message. Um, and people really need to find their purpose. And if you don't find your purpose, you're miserable. I think that's one of the things that's wrong with this world today is that people don't know who they're supposed to be. And I'm telling you, like, you'll be miserable if you don't know who you are. So, you know, check out uh, Tip, Dr. Tiffany Pierce and uh, get your life straightened out. And I really did mean what I said. If you just read her website, also Tiffany.com, that alone <laughs> creates a lot of inspiration right there. So check that out. Uh, before we get out of here, uh, there was an article that was written. Uh, the black It was on the black middle class and whether or not they are leaving uh, their, I guess, less financially inclined brothers and sisters behind. And in the article, Frank, it painted two, I would say, two different arguments. Or rather, there have been two different arguments in reaction to this article. And one half is saying that, you know what? I should be an inspiration to people that are less financially stable. You know, they I came from that neighborhood. They see me make it out. Why can't they? Why do I have to go back and, and help them when they can do exactly what I did? And then the other side of the argument is no. You can do a lot more. You can do something. We need to. We always hear about white flight, but there's also this thing called black flight that once black people get money, they move out to the suburbs and never look back. Uh, I wrote an article a while ago about that's why I don't fool with black businesses on how we tend to not support black businesses. We go straight to, you know, the more known companies, the more known brands, and we just don't support each other like we should. So there's this huge wealth gap between blacks, poor, you know, middle class blacks and poor blacks to where there's a time frame from, I believe it's 1974 to I think they said 2010, where the number of blacks that are making 75,000 a year and 100,000 a year have more than doubled. And the, the amount of people that are making less than $15,000 has only declined by 4% in that time frame, which means, yes, there are a lot of people getting and making more money, but there are a lot of people that are still very, very poor. And it's just it's pretty much calling on us, the middle class, to, you know, help these people. It, it suggests even moving back into these neighborhoods. Don't move to the suburbs. Move back into these neighborhoods and we can create wealth in that neighborhood and, and get rid of the poverty, the cycle of poverty in these neighborhoods. Where do you stand as far as the both arguments that I mentioned? And what did you think about this article? Do you agree with it or do you disagree as far as the criticism on, you know, the black middle class? I mean, that's such an amazing, you know, article. And I, and I read it and I was like, man, you know, there's a lot of opinions. And, you know, one of the interviews we just had was with um, Mrs. Zaza Ali and, She's very big on, you know, giving back and, and doing those type of things. And one of the things she said is very interesting. She said, you know, the problem with Black Lives Matter is that were you concerned with these brothers, you know, you're concerned when they get shot, which is which is important. You should be. But before when they were, you know, slumming it or whatever it was, were you scared? You know, were you scared of them? Were, you, were, were they your brothers then? And I think that that is part of the whole black fight thing, which is, oh, well, I made it. I got to get away you know, from, you know, this, this thing and I got to move up and get to the, you know, safe neighborhood, so to speak, or the gated community, whatever that would be. I think, I think the problem with that mentality is this, is that you don't, it, there's two things, right? It's nothing, I don't think there's anything wrong with moving out to a different neighborhood because sometimes you're in situations that are just dangerous on a daily basis and you have to get out because you can't fix it from the inside. Some things you necessarily can't fix from the inside. So there is, it's a case by case basis. But what you have to do is when you get to the next place, you can't realize you have to find a way to give back that's substantive, meaning that not just saying, oh, I'm going to go back once a year and do some program and give a speech that you can make. You have to find a way, find what's missing in an infrastructure and say, you know, what can I do to fix this? I know Nicole Spears came on the show. She talked about she had, I don't remember the exact thing, but I think it was Commonwealth Bank. Uh, she was trying to do some work and Pritchard giving everybody donating just if you had even had $5, 
that's the kind of thing you kind of have to do to make a change. Now, you know, going back and living in the neighborhood, that's another way to do it. Um, I don't necessarily think it's the only way, but what you don't want to become is like a Ben Carson where or Clarence Thomas, who these guys are black and skin only, and they're saying, well, you know, I made it. I don't know why, you know, uh, if, if niggers learn how to read better, they wouldn't be, you know, caught up. And, and I think that when you look at this system and how oppressive it is and how oppressive it, al- it always will be, more than likely, you have to know that you have a responsibility if you have succeeded to, to do something to further the next generation, to give back, to do something and I think that's what people are missing about, you know, and I'm going to get off topic a little bit here, but I really had asked my wife a question today and I didn't answer. I said, you know what, you know, honey, should I watch the NFL this year? And she said, I don't know. She was like, but the more I think about it, the more it feels like new age slavery. And the reason why I'm saying this is because Colin Kaepernick is doing all the things that you should be doing, you know, as a black man. He's not he's probably not moved back in, but he's going to those communities. He's donating money. He, he uh, you know, had a big, he got a big airplane and, and took a bunch of, um, you know, supplies to people that was in need. So that's what I'm saying is, what are we really representing as black people? What are we looking at? Like, we, all of us who are probably listening to this call, probably have some way we can give back. And so that's really where it starts is like, you, sometimes we think, well, I'm not LeBron. So, I mean, we, we see LeBron giving back. We're like, oh, yeah, that's good. He's got a lot of money. But you have enough money to give back. A lot of people listening to this call are making, you know, close to six figures, maybe even six figures or more. You could probably give back if you was willing to sacrifice a little bit. So I think this article is just eye-opening from a standpoint of, as a black person, middle class, what are you doing? Are you Are you even aware of what's going on? And are you willing to combat it and fix it? And so that's to me was the most eye opening thing from the article is what can we do? Not just, you know, okay, this is you read it esoterically like, okay, yeah, this is a problem, but you're part of the problem. You know, you have to admit it takes it takes it's hard to do that. But, you know, you probably could do a little bit more as well. So I just think that all these things are just a culmination, like an awakening. And I think as more people understand and realize this, the more effective will be. So I thought it was a great article. I think it's worth reading. I think it's worth discussing, and I just think that people have to know that they've been blessed. And you're, when you're blessed, it's so that a blessing can go through you. So just always remember that. That's that's what I would uh, end with. You mentioned a lot of things that I liked, and what I like is that it called it called us out. It called out the black middle class because a lot of times we sit back and we criticize rich black people. And put it on their shoulders or we say what the government should be doing. But what about us? And my suggestion and you, the listener, can pick this apart. You can pick it apart as well, Frank. But I just think one of the things we can do is we we no longer need low income communities. There should be no such thing as an entire low low income community. And what I mean by that are your projects, your uh, your section, you know, your whole community of Section 8 houses or anything like that where you have affordable housing. We need to have affordable housing all over. There should be, you know, pockets of it in every neighborhood, in every county, in every city, in every state. And that way you don't have an entire neighborhood of poor people because poverty breeds crime. One of, for my money, the the best series on television ever, The Wire, and my favorite season is season four. And there's a, a scene where this, the character Bunny Colvin takes these kids, you know, these project kids in Baltimore. Uh, he takes them to Roof Chris, which you all know is a pretty expensive restaurant. Uh, they've never been before. And you take these, they, you know, they were wild acting in class. A lot of them had committed crimes before or whatever. And he took them there and they didn't know how to act. They were almost, I don't want to say embarrassed. I guess they were some, somewhat embarrassed, but their entire behavior was completely different from what they were in their normal element. And I and I say that to say that I think environment influences behavior sometimes. And if you are already poor and in a neighborhood with a bunch of other poor people and they're committing crimes, doing what they have to do to survive, of course, that's going to more than likely influence you. But if you take that same person and put them in a more affluent neighborhood to where they're around people who are getting up, going to work every day, you know, taking care of their uh, property and everything like that. They're more than likely they're going to follow that direction because you don't want to, you know, stand out like this. So I don't think we should have 
you know, housing projects. I know Chicago tore down housing projects a long time ago, but the problem with them was they didn't have anywhere for those people to go. So they pretty much just spread out into concentrated pockets. And that's why you have the problems that you have there. But that's just my little, you know, 27 cents on that, because with, with these low income communities, when you go apply for a job, there are some jobs that discriminate against you when they see what address you're from. There are some schools that your kids can't get into. And if you're in these more affluent neighborhoods, you can go to the better schools. And I just think it will create a more positive impact. So, again, I'm not saying that's the complete solution. It's just a suggestion off the top of my head that I wanted to throw out there. But uh, again, like Frank said, a great article. And I like that it puts the responsibility on us because far too many times we look around and see, as you mentioned, Frank, what LeBron James can do or what Oprah can do and all this. We generate about $1.2 trillion worth of wealth, I believe I read. We collectively can do something. We just have to do it. Can't wait on the government. Can't wait on Oprah to solve everything or LeBron or Denzel Washington. We can do it. So uh, we'll post this article on our Facebook page, Politically Entertaining. Invite you to check it out. Frank, I'll let you take us out. I just want to wish all the mothers a happy Mother's Day. By the time you hear this podcast, Mother's Day will probably have passed. But enjoy this entire week. Let this entire week be for you. And uh, thank you again for tuning in to us. Again, thank you. Uh, thank you for listening to the show. We, we wouldn't have the show without all the listeners. Uh, if, this, if this is your first time listening, hopefully you enjoyed it. Hopefully you'll be back. We just want to thank you for all support. Again, we want to thank Dr. Tiffany Pierce for joining us. We're just just grateful. And again, um, just continue to stay active. Member of Vote Spotter, countable. See what your representatives, who your congressmen are voting, what they're voting for, what they're what they're passing. Check out their voting records. Make sure it matches up with what they campaign for. Hold them accountable. Uh, we just want to again ask you to check out the podcast. Um, Podbean, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes, obviously. Check out the uh, interviews on YouTube. Um, again, be safe out there this week. Enjoy Mother's Day, all the mothers out there. I'm going to shout out my wife, Charity. Turner, you've done so much. I want to thank you for all that you do. Um, so just, again, um, we want to thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon on another episode of Politically Entertaining. Thank you for listening to Politically Entertaining. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes and visit politicallyentertaining.com for the latest in political news and updates.